The Six Strings Podcast with your host, Sean Six. This is Sean Six from Six Strings, and I am here with drummer extraordinaire Vinny Apice. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Sean. Nice to be here talking with you. We just got to see you in Ardmore, PA for your last tour date of the Last in Line tour. I want to start off by just saying thank you for putting on an amazing show. I was completely stunned by the end of it, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a very tight band, and uh, we really have fun playing together, and it really gels so well and we're like a machine now you know it's really cool but we're having fun doing it that's the main thing and that's what makes it come across uh to the audience you know we're having a good time up there one of the things that i wanted to ask you about primarily about playing in last in line and you are referred to a lot as having a super group because of the members that's in the band but it's definitely above and beyond a super group you guys are just a bunch of friends that are having a really good time doing something that you really enjoy isn't it yeah that's what it comes down to you know um there are some bands that uh, use the term super group that are, I call it like, it looks good on paper. <laughs> you know, the guy from this band and the guy from this band and, you know, all these bands you heard of and sometimes, and the guys you heard of, and it looks good on paper, then they get together and it's not much magic there, you know? Yeah. So this came together differently. This, from the start, was just a fun thing to have some fun jamming some old Dio songs with Vivian and when Jimmy was live, Jimmy Bain, right. original bass player. And that's how it started. And then uh, I knew Andrew Freeman. Uh, I knew him uh, as a singer and I, he just came down and jammed with us and it really sparked, you know? So that's the way it came together, pretty natural, you know? We know Phil and Phil got in the band, you know, obviously Jimmy passed, you know, and Phil was a good friend and from the same era as us and we knew him from back then and he just fit right in. So You can definitely tell when you watch you guys play because, like you said, when you have band members that are from other previous existing bands, regardless of, you know, the notoriety of the band, when you start thinking about putting these people together, some of these people have a very well-established pattern and, and routine on how they do things. And when you put them together in a room, sometimes they don't work well. And if any person's ever been in a band before, they know that it's really a lot like a marriage, that you have to get along with everybody else and you have to feed off of each other. And if you don't, it just kind of goes to hell real quick. Right. When you watch you guys get up there and play, you can literally see smiles on your faces. And I mean, me seeing your last stop of that tour you know, that would be the time when you wouldn't see the smile on the face because you guys would be like, okay, we're done. We're tired. We want to go home. Uh, enough of that. But you guys still had that smile on your face. So you can tell that you're enjoying it, at least yeah. for yourself, let alone for the fans that are out there, because it really seemed like that was the main goal uh, of the evening was to say, look, you know, even though it's the last date of the tour, we want to finish this up and get home, take a break before we do something else. But you guys still wanted to give it just as much of 100% as you did on the first date of the tour. Right. That's that's exactly right. You always want to end it on a bang, you know, on a good uh, a good note, a good vibe, and uh, a great show as much as you can. So that's what we try to do. But every night we play, we we always have a good time, you know, and it's never exactly the same. 
especially with me playing, I like to twist the band around. <laughs> you know, I like to play different things and throw a loop in it and throw a curve in it, I should say. You know, keep right. everybody on their toes. I always play like that. So uh, that generates some energy on stage, too. And uh, it kicks everybody in the ass, including myself. So, <laughs> yeah, we give 100% all the way out, you know. Now, one of the things I really did want to ask you about, looking, obviously, where the name comes from, obviously, you know, from the Dio reference and you, know, you playing in Dio and obviously Vivian playing in Dio. When did you find that fans really just wanted to hear you guys just play Dio songs instead of your own original stuff? Uh, well, when we first started, that's all we had. That's all it was, right? Yeah, that's all it was. We didn't have any other material other other than that and the old Dio stuff. So, so we played you know a lot of different songs and and people loved it. And then when we did the first album, it was received very well. It sold pretty good, right? And then we started seeing people, after that's been out for a while, when we toured again, people knowing the lyrics to our songs and really getting into it. So that was a great uh, feeling to see that, that, wow, they're listening to our stuff now, too. Right. Accepting it, yeah. After this amount of time playing in different bands over the years and do you find it's easier to write new stuff now than it was then do you do you have more to say now or or is there more information kicking around in your head to write good music or is it getting more difficult that's a great question uh no it's actually easy easier now there's more uh, ideas i have a lot more ideas you know and i learned a lot over the years from working with sabbath and ronnie and all the different bands so I can draw from a lot of experience and always coming up with ideas, you know, myself. And and with this band, it's easy because everybody is doing the same thing, you know. Right. And when you're writing in the songwriting process, uh, I mean, I've been, you know, in the later years with Ronnie, we've been in a room together. Uh, I don't think Viv was there. It was later on. And, you know, we try a bunch of riffs and go, hey, Ronnie, check this out, man. You know, like that's what we used to do. And he wouldn't like anything. <laughs> so then... It kind of suffocates your creative part of your brain. You go, oh, shit. I'm out of ideas, man. You know, you don't like anything we're, we're throwing at, putting together, then, uh, you know, kind of, you know, it's a kind of a downer, you know. Right. So uh, I've been in rooms where the energy just gets stuck and nothing happens. It's no creativity at that moment. So with us, it, it's just constant. And then if it does get in a, to a low point of creativity, I always have some sort of ideas that I'll just throw them out, even if I think they're stupid or not going to work, because that sparks somebody else, you know? Like, you go, well, shit, I don't know what's going on with this. So what if we just it, start with the bass or something? You right. Know? And then somebody go, hey, you know what? That's not cool. But what if we start with the bass and drums, you know? It sparks some, some more thoughts and some more ideas, you know? I'll always do that, and I'll always uh, try to keep the song interesting, you know? Well, the reason I ask that is because when you start seeing a band that had a significant amount of time that they've been together, and some bands fall into this trap where they start kind of basically recreating the same music that they did, say, 30 years ago, it just kind of you know, right. sounds the same. I always kind of wondered, you know, is it difficult to actually keep that creative juice flowing after you've had all this stuff that you've done before? But I, 
I guess, like you said, you know, when you get to a certain point in your life, too, you've lived a lot more life, so you have a lot more experience to draw upon. You you, right. you might have a lot more to say. Maybe sometimes, you know, uh, it might be a little more pissed off than it was when you were younger because now you see right. things differently. And also, you got to be inspired with the people you're working with. Correct. Like uh, with Vivian, you know, he'll be in the dressing room and you walk in. And he's playing something. You go, what's that? He goes, I don't know. And it's brilliant. And we get the phone out and record it. Right. A lot of the songs have ideas that were started that way, too. And or if in a rehearsal or sound check, you know, I start playing, then Viv plays something to me or Phil plays something and we all start playing. We come up with a lot of stuff. So we're inspired by each other, too. And we, we like playing with each other, you know, and we're hanging out the whole thing. So that makes it a lot easier because if uh, you're not really into the, the guitar player in your band, you go, oh, I'm not crazy about his, the way he puts riffs together. Then right. it's going to be hard, you know, you're kind of going uphill. But we're all on the same plane and uh, it just gels. So, so it makes it a lot easier. So it's depends who you're playing with, too. Right. You know, that whole thing. It helps when you like your job, when you go to your job to do it. You know, you, you're not. Yeah. You're not dreading dealing with it, you know, like you said, oh, well, there's one guitar player and I can't deal with that guy because he's just a pain in the ass. So, right. you know, you, you feel uninspired. When you think about something like that and personally witnessing the smile on your face playing and hearing you talk about how, you know, the creative juices are still flowing and, and you know, having somebody like Vivian around too that's also inspiring to create new and fresh stuff, is there something else that Vinny could picture himself doing besides playing drums in a band? What would be the other natural choice for you to do besides playing drums? Um, if I didn't play drums, well, now, see, I'm, I'm a computer nut. You know, I went and took all the Microsoft courses and okay. Microsoft engineer. Actually, I got certifications, and that was like 10 years ago, and even with Cisco routers and all that stuff. Right. And I used to uh, do this. Uh, I started doing it, and everybody started calling me. Next thing you know, I had a little business going, taking care of. I was the IT guy. Right. My friend had nine stores, and I linked them together with T1 lines, and, you know, took care of the whole business and stuff. But uh, so I love doing that. I love doing that. And I would have loved to, when I was young, go to school and learn how to repair, like, jet engines and stuff. I'm that kind of dude. You know, I fix everything myself. I just fixed the washing machine, you know. It was it was wasn't draining, so looked on YouTube and oh, okay, looked at the parts, got a part, you know, fix fix everything. Actually, I'm in the garage now putting a tool chest together. So, I got so many friggin' tools that so, I need another bunch of drawers to put them in. So I love doing that stuff. If music didn't work out, you could either be a um, appliance repairman, or you could be the Maytag, you could be the Maytag man, or Maytag. or you could be the IT guy that would work for a, like a big company or whatever yeah yeah i, I can i can do it the, actually uh, a while ago like years ago i came off the saboteur and that's when i started studying computers because music uh it started to turn to grunge so okay it, it was it was turning so I was, you know you know i have some time now so why don't i study this stuff because i was doing it already and that's when I got all the certifications and stuff. Then I got an offer to work at a big company, which was Verizon. They yeah. kept telling me, I went to school. We went in the school. Everybody's going, man, you're so good. You, they're looking for people at Verizon. I said, I play drums. I, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and they go, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. They kept bugging me and bugging me. 
So I gave him like a resume of the people and my friends' companies and stuff that I take care of. And then they they asked me to come down there. So I went and met with them, the two head people at the department. And I knew all the stuff they were asking. And uh, they knew I played drums for Sabbath, too. So they were like, ooh. (laughs) They came back and they said, well, you got a job if you want to. I said, really? (laughs) I never worked a job. You come here every day to the same place? This is odd. (laughs) You know? We always travel to the same place, right? Same stage, right? So I went. Well, I like challenges, so I went. You know, I'm not that busy right now, so I took up on it because it was really a good learning tool. It was actually right. really good money, and the whole nine yards came along with it. You know, because it was a big company. So, right. so I did it um, while I was home, and I was doing sessions and playing some gigs. You know, on one weekend, I, I. I flew to Japan and played with this band and came back and was at back at the Verizon at, on Monday. That's... People go, what did you do this weekend? I said, well, I went to Japan and played. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. It was funny because people would call up and go, in the, the people in the company, is this Vinny? <laughs> this is you? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, what are you doing here? I said, it's a long story, but I'm having some fun. <laughs> That's so great. I did that for a little bit, and then I started getting more busy, and then uh, so then I left, you know. But I learned a lot of stuff. It was a, like a bunch of propeller heads there, you know. Well, cool. uh, when my laptop crashes again, uh, or I have a problem with my internet at home, I'll, I'll make sure I get a hold of you, because you, you could yeah. at least help me with that. <laughs> I just fixed somebody's computer with uh, a remote access program. <laughs> That's insane. That's I, I, I love that. Going, yeah. Years ago, you used to have to drive to people's house. That's that's right. You know, that's my right. computer, the years of floppy drives and shit. Now you can uh, just log in, remote control the PC, and do almost everything you can do in person there, you know. so That kind of brings me to another point, and based on the amount of time that you have been playing professionally and recording music, and now knowing that you're this much of a tech head, how do you feel about the technological advances with music that we have now? Uh, do you think that it's helped music, or do you think it's hurt music, primarily with rock music or with metal? Um, well, it does both, you know, because it's easier to do things. I do a lot of sessions for, uh, I got a studio in my house, right? and it's just me. I'm running, I got a wireless keyboard right by the hi-hat with a big screen, and I run the whole thing. And it's brilliant because I can punch in when I want. I can get so granular into the song, you know, with fills that I, I think, Oh, that fills. I like that. I'll, I'll do that one. And, and, but you got to maintain the feel. You can't be, uh, I mean, I put a click on, you know, everybody's got a click. Right. I don't even hear the click cause I play steady. So I don't even listen to the click cause I'm right in the pocket from, from doing it so many years. And then, uh, so it's easy to do things that way. But some of the music I hear sounds like, you know, the verse was copied and pasted into the next verse. Right. Yeah, very polished, good songs and everything, but there's no, maybe it's missing a little bit of soul and heart, you know. Like the Last in Lime records, we didn't use a click and we played in the control, we played in the room together. Right. When we recorded. That's the way we did Sabbath and Dio and all those, all the records that I was on. And that's because we're a band. We wrote it together. We rehearsed, you know, but it's easy to do it that way in a band. You know, a lot of bands don't record that way anymore. And you have band members that live in different parts of the country. They don't get together until they actually go and perform live. And they're, you know, saying, well, I'm going to send you uh, this file. Yeah. And it's going to have my part that's on it. Like God, I do. 
Yeah, I do here with, with sessions. Right. But I but I, I play the scratch guitars and basses and but it's so tight in there. I mean, I get in there where it sounds like we're playing together, you know. And those are scratch guitars. They're not even playing to me yet, but I'm playing right in there. But it's all steady and it's it wavers some, you know, a bit, you know, but. Then when they play to my drums, then it really locks in. So uh, it's good. But, but you know, a real band, I mean, we just, like Glass and Line, we just go in. We want to do it together, you know. It, it's inspiring again. So, you know, it helps. It made music easier to create. And, you know, sometimes a lot of things I play on, I don't even know the met the person. I played on Joel Holster's first album. Okay. Actually, and his second album, it's in the can. And I never met him, you know. And I played on the whole record with Tony Franklin. <laughs> and then about two years later, he, he calls me and says, can you do this rock cruise with me? I said, yeah. <laughs> so I, on the cruise, I went, hi, Joel. How you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, who, I didn't even know him. And uh, I played on his record. So, so pretty funny stuff the, there. The technology helps if it's the right band because if the band has the magic, then the technology is just a feather in the cap. Yeah. It's not a deterrent anymore. Yeah, yeah, and and it's easier to do things to communicate with music too. You, you know, you got an idea, you can put it down, send it to somebody. You know, what do you think it is? You know, that's why Andy, uh, our, our singer Andrew, you know, we have riffs and different things we put down, and then he works on it. He sends back his ideas, and, and he's got some great hooks and incredible singer. You know, right. so you hear that, you go, whoa, this is great. You know. So we didn't even have to get together, but just hear what the parts are going to be exactly. when we do record it. So Now, the band has two albums out. You just released the second one February this year. You have more stuff ready, don't you? You, ha- you have more music um, that's kind of been, you guys are kicking some stuff around, aren't you? Yeah, we've been in, uh, Def Leppard did a re- residency in Vegas and playing at Hollywood in uh, September, was it? August, September. So in between that, Viv had a bunch of days off, you know, one week and the next week. So we all got together in Vegas and uh, just went in the studio and kicked, jammed and kicked ideas around. We put a bunch of stuff together. It sounds really cool. So that's what we got in the can right now. That'll be uh, a- Andrew will work on that. And he's good at cutting it up and editing it. And because uh, we go on a little bit with the riffs, you know, <laughs> because we don't know where the vocal's going to be. Right. And, you know, we want to do it step at a time. And then he's great at cutting it up and then making it work with vocals and then we can re-record it, you know? So we got a bunch of stuff for sure. Not not finished, but it's work in progress for sure. Now you're getting ready to go back on tour. You're actually going this month. You're leaving uh, your first tour dates on the 26th in Europe, correct? Yeah. I'm leaving Sunday to go to fly to UK. And we got about 14 shows, I think. You got your time back in Europe. How do you feel... And I've been asking people a lot about this particular subject because I'm starting to see a lot of people that I know that play in heavier groups, uh, whether it be something from a straight-up metal band or if it's something from a hardcore band. And they're always complaining about the same thing, that they don't receive as much love in the United States, but they go to Europe and the Europeans absolutely lose their mind. Now, you've played in a lot of larger bands. You're obviously playing with Sabbath and playing in Dio. And, and so obviously you always had a large crowd. With Last in mm-hmm. Line, do you feel that some of the stuff that you're experiencing when you go to Europe and play over there compared to some of the dates in the States, do you see a significant uptick in turnout or interest? Um, 
You know what? We've been doing really good here in the States because we've played a lot of the areas two times or three times. Okay. And uh, as you saw in Ardmore, you know, people were loving it. And at the end, they're freaking out. And that's been the response here. And it's been the response in Europe, too. So I would say it's, you know, about the same about for the us. About the same? Yeah. That's good because, you know. It's great, yeah. I plan on going to South America, too. And there, they just, they go crazy. They're so passionate about the metal music and hard rock and the whole thing, you know. I go down, I do a thing. I got a band in Italy, a really good band. And I went over there and did, uh, when 2018, I did 25 shows with this band. Okay. Small places, small clubs. And every place was pretty much packed. And they went bananas over this stuff. <laughs> and it was, I was just playing stuff like we called it Mob Rules Live. Right. So it was mostly all the songs from Mob Rules, a couple of old Sabatoons, a couple of Dio songs. And they went crazy. I went back again at the beginning of the year, did nine shows. Now I'm going back next year and doing another 20 shows. And then I took that to South America and they went crazy down there. Because Sabbath and Dio were very, people, you know, Sabbath is so legendary. Right. That it's almost like the Bible of heavy music. Black come Sabbath. Up, it does have that weight behind it, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's like, they just love Black Sabbath and they love Ronnie. And especially Ronnie was so cordial to his fans and so he loved his fans and they know that and that they a lot of them met Ronnie and he was very nice to them and there's this love for the for Ronnie and love for Sabbath and Dio that it's amazing, you know, and I'm lucky that I can go out and do this now. You know, I'm the only one left from Sabbath really touring, you know, right. from that era. So uh, it's a really cool thing, but they're so passionate. South America is so passionate and some of the European countries, because we don't go over there all the time. That's the other thing. Right. We go to Europe. Uh, a lot of bands don't go like they can go here in the States. It's easy to mess around here, you yeah. know, play around here. So that's another reason, too, they appreciate when you go there. At this point in your life, what is the most difficult part of touring? You probably band? get the same answer. Traveling in, in the bloody airport. <laughs> ridiculous planes, you know. It's the hurry up and wait, and it's the hassle of it. You know, yeah. and when you're younger, obviously, you still have that excitement that's there as you get older and you start to get used to the routine. And then some of those things start to become a little more grating on your patience when you're having to deal well, with no, it. No, it's not that so much because, I mean, I'm still excited. I'm still grateful to be able to go out and play. Right, <laughs> right. Years. You just don't want to have I'm to deal with the airport. It's the, the traveling has gotten worse. And it's and it years ago, you used to go to the airport, you know, no, no big security thing, you right. know, weight limit on your bag, you used to be able to take stuff. And you took a little carry on because you checked your bags. You checked everything. Now they charge you for check bags so everybody's trying to squeeze as much as possible to bring on the plane in the overhead bins which leads to everybody wanting to get on the plane first right? <laughs> right so between all that nonsense and then them making the seats smaller with no leg room and and just really cramped uh it's a lot more stressful because everybody there's more people in one little space for five hours and you're right. sitting there unless you go you know we try to go i try to go when i can you know business class or premier economy longer trips but you know a lot of times we're all stuck in economy or a little better than economy but that's why it sucks you know the way it is now and people so many people flying and ridiculous the airports are crowded you know i go to airports i've been to 
years ago, and it's still the same, and there's twice as many people in there. Trust me, you're preaching to the choir because I fly out of Boston all the time. I fly out of Logan, and it used to be people could literally basically walk up to the gate and watch you get onto the plane. Now, when you pull into Logan just to drop off, there's more... There's so many cars. Pull up. No, you can't. And and you see, all I usually see is state trooper cruisers there just waiting for somebody to do something stupid, you know, because, you know, back in the day, people used to get dressed up to get on a plane. And well, that uh, too, you know, I can't stand with with dudes getting on the plane in shorts and flip flops and (laughs) and hairy legs and shit like that. I'm like, oh, God, that's gross. Put your pants on and socks. And they're usually the one that's sitting beside you, too, and about halfway into the flight, they fall asleep and they're basically laying on top of you. (laughs) And you're like, well, half the people. A lot of people can't even fit in those seats, and I don't mean that they're just maybe overweight, but the seats are small. People are big these days, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. especially guys, and you know, you go in these seats are made for like children. <laughs> Pretty much, <complete> stress. <laughs> Pretty much. When we used to fly in the '80s with Sabbath, we flew to England from LA on an airline called Freddie Laker Airlines. Okay, it was like a you know his own airline, and it was cool. They used to let us in the cockpit. <laughs> You know, they used to let us sit with the pilot, showed us the uh, northern lights and right. all this stuff. You know, everybody's smoking on the plane. The pilot's got a cocktail in his hand. You're hanging out in the cockpit. And now you even make the wrong off-color comment and you're getting dragged off the plane by Homeland Security. Yeah, yeah. yeah things have crazy. Things have changed a lot. The last things I wanted to talk to you about, and, and this is in relation to touring too, where you guys are going back out, heading across the pond, you're going over to Europe. And a lot of last in line schedule obviously follows a lot of what Vivian's doing with Def Leppard too. And one of the things that I wanted to mention to you, it kind of popped in my mind earlier today with Vivian's schedule with Def Leppard. Obviously, they're in a bit of a break right now. So that gives you guys time to actually do stuff. What do you think about Motley Crue just announced that they're going to come back? They signed that mm-hmm. contract. But a lot of talk about Motley Crue and Def Leppard and Poison touring together. When you hear stuff like that, how, how does that register for you? Because obviously, if Def Leppard goes out on a tour, or that would probably be a fairly extensive tour that kind of impacts last in line too well yeah but we've been doing this for years so so it doesn't went know. out with journey right yeah so there's no big deal okay. you know i you know i i won't even comment on what i know about that um and 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 a, a tour like that doesn't last as long as you would think because just think about all those guys <laughs> together <laughs> you know what i mean it's most likely could be who knows just you know summer or whatever play festivals and get it over with it could be three shows and that's the end of it (laughs) yeah it might there might be three shows and then uh, they break up again you know and then tour gets all screwed up who knows but uh we've been no we've been dealing uh with the schedules you know you're fully prepared uh, everybody yeah because you know the viv was i i'm going to europe in april because I thought Viv was busy, but then uh, he's got a couple more weeks off in April, but I can't cancel my tour. So so we deal with each other's schedule, so it's not a problem. It's nice that you guys have that working relationship where you can do stuff like that, because like we were talking about earlier, obviously, you know, dealing with individual members of the band, everybody kind of has their own thing going on. You want it to gel as much yeah. as possible and, and, you know, 
you guys clearly have a relationship that most bands would probably be absolutely jealous of. Yeah, we all get it. You know, we all work together. You know, Phil does things in Vegas at the Rockfall show. Andy's doing a little show in Vegas, too. So we work around everything, you know. Right. And then uh, that gives us a little bit more time to do our own thing. And then, uh, you know keep this going at the same time so you got to recently play um a professor of uh rock drumming didn't you you got to do stuff with the uh, rock and roll fantasy camp where you could teach people and doing something that you love how was that what kind of experience was that like for you well that's a completely different uh thing than what most musicians are used to as far as you know like on a pro level you're you're recording you're you're playing live you're on tour you rehearse and that's it and this is something different this is uh, what it is is people pay to come into the camp i just finished one that was with cheap trick and they were playing we were doing the sergeant pepper thing that they do you know so there were 12 bands there were 12 counselors there was like uh myself rudy sauza brian tishy uh tony franklin guys like that and we each get a band and either you're playing in the band uh or you're just counseling the band right so my band i didn't have to play because they were already a drummer there and they were really good so so what we do is we rehearse we work with them get the band tight and then two days later there's a gig at the uh this one was at the viper room on sunset boulevard okay and the next night was at the whiskey with cheap trick Awesome. So, so it's a lot of rehearsing, and then there's uh, also in between all that stuff, we do master classes they, where they can come in and learn drums, they can learn guitar, there's a whole bunch of stuff. And we do, do um, jams, and that's the fun part because we just go in a room, say it's me, Rudy, and Joel Holstra. Right. And we're in a room, and people come in, they can jam with us, you know? And sometimes it gets really wild and crazy, a whole bunch of people in a room, everybody's singing, and stuff it's stuff that you i did when i grew up when i was playing around 14 15 just bumming you know playing around brooklyn they go hey uh, tony's parents left for the weekend we can we could jam in the basement and we'd all show up and just jam and, and have a good time so you don't get to do that as soon as you get pro you know it doesn't happen very often <laughs> right but this is like you know going to room to room sitting in jamming and it's a lot of fun and then the one last night we had an orchestra when we played the whiskey there were seven bands uh mine was uh one of those bands that played with the orchestra they had there oh awesome they had a bunch of strings a bunch of horns and we played uh my band did a day in a life so you can imagine what that was like oh, with that build <laughs> two bills in that song nice 24 bars of build now <laughs> i know what it is and it was incredible it's a great experience uh next year i'll probably do another couple of those uh, i hope to do this one with deep purple with ian pace because i love ian so that'd be absolutely amazing. Uh, that might be in february yeah so it's a good thing check it you could people could check it out on uh, rockfantasycamp.com and he's got a movie coming out too amazing. david fishoff is the uh, owner and he he put together a movie a movie which took a long time to put this together and hopefully i'll see it next week we'll see what happens well actually this week not next week i'll be gone <laughs> Awesome. It was great getting a chance to chat about things old and new, and hopefully I'll get a chance to see you play again live. Yeah, that would be great. Obviously, we'll be around, and uh, it was great being here. You know, I'd like to thank all the fans for listening, keeping the music alive, and uh, listening to all the stuff I've been doing. And uh, I'm not finished yet. Appreciate it, man. All right, Sean. Take care, all right? Right. 